and I believe that God's got a word for you. And God's been stirring just several messages in my heart. We've not been in a series, and it's really seeking the Holy Spirit in a new way, in a fresh way in my, in my life right now, and just asking him for what specifically, week after week, what do you want to say? And you do that during a series, but I've just been crying out to the Holy Spirit for him to bring forth a word in due season. So you ready to receive the word this morning? Well, if you're taking notes, go ahead and write down walking wisely. That this is, I believe, the heart of God in this season, in this hour, is that we want to walk in the Spirit's wisdom. And I'm going to be very practical today as well as um, I believe that your spirit, your faith is going to be stirred to go to a new place in your walk with God. Because when we walk with God, we mature. When we walk with God, we grow wiser. We step away from being evil, as Proverbs talks about. We step away from being foolish, and we walk in the Spirit's wisdom. Uh, some stats I want to throw out to you, because I really want to talk about um, being Spirit-filled in our relationships and how we have wisdom in our relationships and how we can be motivated by the Spirit as we approach all the different relationships in our life. As I've been reading in the Gospels, I've been searching out Scripture that really teaches us of how Jesus had a healthy emotional life and a healthy mental life. Because when you think about the life and the ministry of Jesus, he would preach to tens of thousands of people and think about the demands that would come from those tens of thousands of people. He was, yes, the son of God, but also had limitations in his flesh as well, in his humanity. So the demands that would come from that, he had 12 disciples. The Bible says he had three that were close. And so he had deeper relationships within the 12 he also had, um, it's amazing because it talks about, if you really catch it, that Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, that it says that Jesus would stay the night in their home, that he would have meals and, and dinner with them. So you saw that Jesus had friends, that he had relationships. And I think it's easy to miss this aspect or this dimension of Jesus because we see his miracles, we see the crucifixion, we see the passion, but we can miss that Jesus had relationships when he was here on earth. And I don't know about you, but I want to follow the model, the blueprint that Jesus has of how we're to do relationships well and how we're to walk in wisdom with one another. Here's an interesting statistic that in the span of a year, stats will tell us that you'll have over 500 to 2,500 interactions with people within a year. So different people you will come in contact with. Uh, it also says that we spend 40% of our time with the same five people. I would say that percentage is definitely higher for Bree and I right now as we are with the same four people, which is our babies, and, and getting them ready, getting them together. A lot of our evenings are spent with them. It also says that we spend time and energy in our relationships. But what I, want, or what I wrote down is we spend a lot of time and energy in our relationships, but I want us to back up, and I want us to look and, and really reflect on the relationships in our life and ask the Holy Spirit, how can I walk in wisdom in my marriage, with my kids, in my dating relationship, in my engagement, with my friends, with my family? How can, where am I not walking in wisdom? And this is what I always say, is when we open up the word of God, is first it has to be a mirror. That we have to look at ourselves and reflect and say, where is my life not lining up? But many times we're quick to turn them into binoculars and look at everybody else's faults, everybody else's shortcomings, everybody else's sin, instead of keeping it a healthy balance where you use it to reflect on yourself, and then in a, in a, in using wisdom, you can begin to look at your relationships and say, okay, that needs some work there as I shine the word of God on that situation. But it has to be a balance of yourself and others, yourself and others, and on different situations. So as we go into the word this morning is we talk about really three levels that Proverbs reveal. And it might be a little bit of shock because we don't use, we don't call people evil regularly. But Proverbs talks about there's three groups of, of people. There's evil, there's foolish, and there's wise. And if you're quick to say, I'm part of wisdom, hold a time out because you might be foolish and you might be led by pride thinking you're wise, okay? So we all want to be in this path of wisdom but there's times that we not always walk in wisdom. There's times we walk in foolishness or prayerfully very far and few between, but we allow evil to come into the situation. I would say it this way, and as I've done research, I've been reading a book by 
Dr. Henry Cloud called Necessary Endings, which talks about relationships. But he says this. He says, we're to be friendly toward all but friends with a few. And there's safety in that. And we understand that everyone is created equal in the likeness and in the image of Christ. But not all people are equally safe in our life and in our world. And so we have to use discernment and wisdom as we approach relationships to say, is this relationship safe and healthy for me? Or is there a foolishness going on in the middle of it? If we go to our first slide here, I, I like this because it, it really gives three ways to view people. And I've never seen this. As I was searching out Jesus's relationships, we really see where Jesus didn't instantly trust people. Look what it says. It says, but Jesus didn't trust them. So that really begins to open up that Jesus used wisdom in his relationship. Jesus wasn't naive like a lot of us can be at times, where when we see a gift on someone's life, where we see someone who's friendly or nice, we can uh, naively pull them close very quickly, wear our heart on our sleeve, and not use discernment, which is where we all want to be. And so when we are walking in this, look what it says. It says, Jesus knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about human nature, for he knew what was in each person's heart. And so you and I in Scripture says that man looks at the outward appearance, but the Spirit of God, Jesus, looks at the heart. So if we're going to walk in wisdom in our relationships, we have to lean into the Word of God because it's easy in the flesh with the fleshly eye or the fleshly lens just to look at outward appearance all the time, but never search the heart. And Jesus will give us discernment in our relationships to say, okay, I can see maybe there's a motive here, there's a genuine here, or I can see that they're wise, I can pull them close. Look what else it says, and this is really why Jesus, is this was foretold and prophesied and promised before Jesus left heaven and came to earth. It says that this would be the nature and the ministry of who Jesus was. It says, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. So in our walk with the Holy Spirit, in our walk with wisdom, in our relationship with him, this is what begins to well up out of our walk with God as we begin to see these things, these gifts, these fruits come into our life and into how we can begin to view people in a lens of wisdom. You also see on there that we can be paranoid. There's been times even now approaching five years in ministry, when I started off, I was very naive in a lot of things. You get excited and you get full of emotion. We've all been there. And you pull, you make decisions out of emotion versus wisdom. Anybody been there before? And the thing is, is that if you're naive, what will begin to happen is you wear your heart on your sleeve. You get hurt. And as you get hurt, you begin to retreat. You begin to, to allow the pain of what happened maybe in a relationship to, to get you unforgiving or to get you hard or to get you hard-minded. And what can happen if you're not careful is you can move over to number two and you can begin to become paranoid with everybody or you can begin to become conspiracy-minded. And that's what we have to be careful of in our walk, that the flesh will keep us naive or paranoid, but the Spirit of God wants to keep us discerning, that we can walk in a spirit of wisdom and we can discern the relationships in our life. We can discern those that we're working with in the spirit that they're walking in. And so this is where we want to be, and this is how we want to live. Look what it says, and, and again, all people are created equal. We don't judge based off of that, but we judge our relationships. Is this person safe, or is this relationship healthy? And I would say it this way. If you go to the next slide, it says that we need to, to treat different people differently. We love everyone Love is always given, but trust is always earned. Just like Jesus said, he didn't say, I didn't love them. He said, I didn't trust them. So in our relationships, again, my heart is to keep you safe and to keep you healthy and, and using the Spirit's wisdom to discern is that you not come to this place of, I wear my heart on my sleeve, I'm naive in my relationships, and then therefore I constantly keep getting hurt, and then I get bitter or paranoid or whatever. But look what it says here. In Proverbs 21, 1 through 3 and 5 through 7, it gives us a download of these three different types that Proverbs speaks of. It says, be not envious of evil men, 
nor desire to be with them. For their hearts devise violence, and their lips talk of trouble. In other words, we see, and we're going to see it in a minute, is that evil people take, pain, take pleasure in your pain. Evil people want to, want to cause harm intentionally to you. And we're going to see this unfold in a minute. Look what it says. A wise man, so we see evil, then we see wise. A wise man is full of strength, and a man of knowledge enhances his might. For by wise guidance, you can wage your war. I talked of last week that we are in a war, and we need guidance and wisdom in our life to fight the battle and the war against the enemy, against sin. And so it says this. It says, as we're waging this war, that in an abundance of counselors, there is victory. How many of you know there's wisdom in counselors in your life? There's wisdom in having mentorship in your life. There's wisdom and having people that maybe know a little more than you or have been around a little longer and have walked through some things. So this is where it gives this picture of victory for our lives. But it says, a fool is in the gate, and he does not open his mouth. And so we see evil wise, or we see evil fool and wise. And I like to, I heard this analogy, and I like it. But really, we need to have a traffic light on our life. And really, as you read the book of Proverbs, Underline evil, underline wisdom, and underline fool because you can begin to see the three different types of people. And with evil, you need to put a red mark on it because that will say, okay, I need to stop, use some discernment here before I, I pull, maybe pull this person or this relationship close. If someone is maybe walking in foolishness, I need to put a yellow mark there because I need to use some caution and kind of feel out where the relationship is. And if someone is wise, green light, pull them close. Let's, let's talk. Let's get to know each other a little more. So I'm not bashing the, the, the one who walks in evil. We're going to see in a minute that they actually need to be rescued. And this is going to point to Jesus here at the end. And, but what I want to see, and if you go to the next slide, we'll see evil people. Proverbs 2, 12 through 15 says this. It says, wisdom will save you from evil people. So right off the bat, we see that People that are walking with an evil motive or an evil heart, it says they need to be saved. So it says wisdom will save you. And we know Jesus, who was perfect in his infinite wisdom, that he longs to save. And what is John 3.16? That he came to save and rescue evil and foolish people. He came to save and rescue us in our broken humanity. So we see that this is all pointing to Jesus and what his mission and what his rescue is all about. But it says... From those whose words are twisted. So evil love to twist words. It says, these men turn from the right way to walk down dark paths. They take pleasure. This is just shocks me. They take pleasure in doing wrong. They enjoy the twisted ways of evil. Their actions are crooked and their ways are, are wrong. I think that describes what an evil person can look like or an evil person far from Christ can look like is that they take pleasure in bringing other people pain. They seek and are very intentional to try to bring destruction or control in your life. And so we see, again, this played out in the scripture. Several things, and I pulled out of Dr. Henry Cloud's book that really talks about these three different Types and these three different types of spirits, honestly. It says that if you are an evil person, that you really are control, you walk in a controlling spirit, you have a demanding spirit, a domineering spirit, and a narcissistic spirit. That that can be the motive that you walk in, that you thrive in, in bringing fear into people's life, you control in your relationships, you only let things happen that are within your reach. That these people, really, and if we pull in last week's message, are demonically tormented and they can't find their healing or really don't want to be healed, and so they cause torment in other people's lives. These people, these kinds of people you're scared of, you're afraid of, you're actually afraid to make them mad. When they call and you see them calling, you're fearful and you're like, I don't want to answer it because of what may happen, but if I do answer it, I don't know what's going to happen, that there's this weird tension that brings fear in your life. And so they work from a place of fear and punishment. They say something like, like this. You do what I say or you're going to get hurt because of it. 
maybe not physically, but emotionally, whatever that looks like. With these kinds of people, it's a win-lose relationship. Guess who wins? The evil person. You always lose. This is how they work and how they communicate and how they live. I like to say it this way, too. You can write this down. Is evil people live by demonic forces, fools live by the flesh, and wise people live by the spirit. Evil people live by demonic forces, fools live by the flesh, and wise people live by the spirit. If I was encouraging you as a leader, or you as a parent, or you is in a place of influence, this is how you could approach these relationships, is that if you're dealing with an evil person, you have a professional relationship with these people. If you're dealing with a foolish person, you have a pastoral relationship. And if there's someone who is wise, you can have a personal relationship with them. What do we mean by professional? If you catch someone in an act of crime or breaking the law, you call the cops and you get professionals involved. Uh, if you see that they have very serious mental health issues, you call uh, the, the right person to come and help that person get healed and get safe. A pastoral relationship with someone who may be foolish that means that there's some boundaries in place with them. That you don't let them call you. They don't call you at 3 a.m. drunk every night, and they expect you to do and to pick them up and to be everything they need you to be. Now we would still do that and be healthy and safe, but you have to have boundaries with people who walk in consistent foolishness. And again, with someone who's wise, you have that green light and that relationship. You can discern that they're not have that they don't have an agenda against my family, against my marriage, against my children, and I can pull them close and I can have a relationship with them. We doing okay this morning on evil people? Again, not trying to sugarcoat anything. I'm just preaching what God has been stirring in me and just laying it out. Secondly is this, is foolish people. Proverbs speaks extensively of this. Proverbs 1.7 says, Fools despise wisdom and discipline. You want to find a foolish person, they're not disciplined, and it says that they despise wisdom. They don't, they don't care for it. They don't see it. They don't pull it in. It's not revealed to them. Proverbs 26.3 says, it says, guide a horse with a whip, a donkey with a bridle, and a fool with a rod to his back. What this means is a fool with a rod to his back is that fools, foolish people are only motivated by pain. Only motivated by pain. You only see them move or make decisions when pain comes into their life. The eviction letter kept coming and coming and coming, but when the cops show up, now, oh my gosh, I got to move and I got to do. I didn't prepare. I didn't do what was necessary. I didn't pay my mortgage. Um, in a relationship, a marriage, one, one of the spouses thinks everything's good until the other spouse packs their bags and leaves and then says, oh my gosh, everything's not good. Uh, so this is how a foolish person can respond to these types of situations. We all have parts of our life that is foolish and parts of our life where we can be prone to evil. And there's always a season where we can walk into foolishness. The thing I know, too, is if you're foolish, is that the law of gravity comes into play. It's because we think we can get away. Think about high school friends you had that were always um, doing whatever they wanted to do. They made decisions. They just they didn't really care. They just There was no cause and effect. I'm going to do what I want to do, and everybody else can deal with it. We all know people like that in our life, and, they, and you just, for some reason, I had friends like this in high school, you just saw them constantly get away with things. Like, are they ever going to get caught? I'm trying to walk in wisdom. I'm trying to do the right thing, and they do whatever they want, and everything seems good. Well, then you kind of connect and maybe see something on Facebook 10, 15 years later, and because they never got out of that path of foolishness, you then see where it took them over time. And so the myth of foolishness is, is I can really do whatever I want to do, but there's never going to be a consequence of it. And so like it says, fools don't like to change. They're only motivated by pain. Um, we can look at it this way too, is that someone who's foolish doesn't mean that they're not educated or don't have a high IQ. They can be very educated, but they can't just seem to figure out life or have common sense in place or, or wisdom. Because when you read the word of God, when you see wisdom, it can really be said as common sense. It makes sense when you see it. You bear witness with it in your spirit that this is how I'm to live and this is how I want to live. Fools deny reality and they don't learn from failure. Deny reality and don't learn from failure. 
we also see that, this is good, foolish people are burden givers, not burden lifters. Anybody ever see this before? Maybe you, know, you can just picture that person. Prayerfully, they're not sitting next to you. But you can picture that person. It's like they just back a truck, truck up. And just picture a dump truck. It's coming back. It's coming back. And they just dump everything on you all the time. And out of nowhere, you're like, how did I lose this time? How did I lose this energy? And how did I lose this money? That this person is always bringing their burdens, bringing their cares, and dumping them on me. And so foolish people, they're not aware. They're always dumping their problems. They're blame shifting. They're killing the messenger who's trying to bring truth and wisdom in their life. They're burden givers, not burden lifters. They're life draining, not life giving. They may be fun people, but they're not respected. They're fun. You enjoy them, but they're not really respected. And so we don't want to fall into this category of foolishness. Foolish people will run out of resources at some point. And if you're foolish, I pray this morning that you pivot toward wisdom. So I gave you all the bad news. Now we're going to get to the good news. You guys ready for this? So we want to walk in wisdom, and we want to be wise people. Say amen. This is where we want to be. We don't want to be evil. We don't want to be walking folly, but we want to walk in wisdom. Look what it says. Next slide. It says, correct the wise, and they will love you. That's interesting. That really goes against our flesh. No one likes to be corrected. But if we're really walking in mature wisdom, you welcome correction in a healthy way. And it says that when you're corrected, you love them because they're looking out for you or they have your best interest in mind or they see something that may be a weakness. Say, hey, why don't we work on this? It says, instruct the wise and they will be even wiser. Teach the righteous and they will learn even more. I think when it says here, teach the righteous, is that when you are walking in wisdom, you love righteousness. You love anything that gets you closer to God. Righteousness is right standing with God, that we want to be in relationship and in right standing with God. And wisdom's goal is to always lead us to that place in our relationships, with our walk with God, in our professional relationships, you name it. Wisdom can touch every part of your life, but we can't be afraid of correction. I've come to find and believe that you really don't know who someone is until you see them corrected or you see them confronted because what you see in them comes out. And so if you want to know, I mean, correct your kids and you'll see a, a, a spot of them like, where in the world did that come, at, come from? With that coming up, we need to deal with that and we need to deal with that quick. Daniel just came into the terrible twos. We're not prophesying over that over him, but we're breaking the power of it. But we are constantly keeping counsel around us because as parents, we can get tired, we can get worn out. And we need correction in us because when we get tired and worn out, then we maybe respond in foolishness and not respond in wisdom with our kids. And so if you're going to walk in wisdom, it said in our first scripture that there's victory in having counselors in our life, that get people around you that know something, get people around you that know you and it can encourage you at your deepest level. Think of it this way. You, if you, you correct a foolish person, you get into an argument. It's usually how that looks. If you correct an evil person, they'll cross their arms and say, I'm not even interested in changing. Why are you talking to me? But you correct the wise, and it says what? They're going to love you. They're going to thank you for that. And so if we can take this scripture and apply it to our life, that if a person of wisdom comes into your life and tries to bring correction, take heart and say, okay, let me feel this out. Let me listen to, listen to this. Let me not respond in emotion or anger, but let me see what they have to say. Wise people are self-motivated. They ask questions. They listen more than they talk. They embrace their responsibilities. They follow tasks. They get their tasks done. You can have a close personal relationship with these kinds of people. You know, during this time of, of pandemic, I began going through old, journal, old journals and revisiting some things and began looking. My time in college is I began to sense the call of God on my life, knowing I was going to be a young leader and having to, to come up in my wisdom as I began to lead. Is in, in my time in college, I began seeing people that I admired or I wanted to be like, and I would shoot texts, I would shoot emails, I would catch them and say, hey, can I meet with you? Would you give me an hour of your time? 
And several relationships that began to happen through that. When I would go, I would be early. I would try to bring a notebook and ask questions, write things down. Because this was a person of wisdom, and I was there to receive, not talk and give everything that I think I know. And so if, if you're walking in wisdom and how you can advance and grow in your life, and this was a principle that was given to me early on and then I tried to walk out, is that if you can learn to walk in wisdom and find people in your life that you admire, that if you can get and say, would you give me 30 minutes? Would you give me an hour of your time? Can we talk? And if you can begin to receive that wisdom, that's how you can begin to grow as you ask questions, as you listen, and then you apply. One mentor I met, Izzy said, um, okay, I've given you a list of tasks. We're not going to meet again until you fulfill these tasks. And so that was motivation to say, okay, I'm going to get on this because I want to keep meeting and keep learning. But on the mentor side of thing, he wasn't going to waste his time if I wasn't going to follow through with what he was laying out. So in that, when you're approaching mentors, don't just waste their time and don't take their advice. Take their advice, show them that you respected that, and then watch what God can begin to unfold in that area. I think the mentor myth, it says this too, that I need to find one, maybe two people that can give me everything I need. There's multiple categories we need wisdom in, parenting, marriage, kids, uh, money, Bible, Bible prophecy, you name it. Find people that you admire in those places, connect with them, and gain wisdom through conversation, gain wisdom through a phone call. It was neat that during this uh, pandemic time, I began just reaching out to some of these mentors, wanted to start a podcast and, and try to bring uh, a new vantage point into our church through some of these leaders. And so I began reaching out to them and pulling on some old friendships that I hadn't talked or mentors over 10, 12 years. And it was neat reconnecting and, and, and revisiting some things and, and things begin to stir up in me. And so what's neat is with these mentors that you begin to walk in wisdom is they're wise people and what they can pick up quickly that they're either going to waste my time or they're hungry to grow in faith. They're hungry to grow in wisdom. So there's victory in multitude of counselors. I want to close with this and I want to invite our, our team back up and and we're going to do do it again and, and take some time to worship. If you go to the last slide here, there are really six kinds of relationships. And I, I like this formula and I like this equation. Because if a wise and foolish person come together, you need a parental relationship. And if we had some more time, I would really break these down. But quickly, this is someone who is an adult. They act like a child, so you act like a parent. So if there's someone who you see, let's say they're 40 years old, but they have not grown, they still act like a 16-year-old. This is someone who is foolish and someone who's wise. You need to be in a parental-style relationship with this person. Uh, number two, we see wise and evil. This is a distant relationship. Someone who's evil and someone who's wise. Think of it this way. If you're the wise person, you're trying to distance yourself from the evil person. On the other side, if you're someone who is evil or know someone who's evil, they're constantly trying to close the gap. For an example, an evil person in a relationship, they cheated on you, you left them, then they keep trying to come back and say they're sorry, let's make it right. They're trying to close that gap between you and them where you're trying to say, no, I'm better off without you. I'm walking in wisdom. I'm going to distance myself. Third is foolish plus foolish. This is dumb and dumber. They just feed off of each other. They're codependent on one another. Number four is foolish plus evil. This can be an abusive relationship. Wrote this down. This is where the foolish person is always trying to please the person who is evil. This is, for an example, when the evil person is constantly saying they do something wrong, but then they always blame the foolish person because you triggered me, therefore I was angry at you and got mad at you. Don't do that again. And then the foolish person just says, okay, I'm sorry, I won't do that again. They're in an abusive relationship, verbally, physically. Evil plus evil, this is a dangerous relationship. Look out for these style of relationships. This is when there's a common enemy and two, two or more come together and they focus on to try to take that person out or to take whatever out from that, that relationship out. That this is a dangerous relationship when you see evil people come together. Wise and wise, again, this is where we want to be. This is a healthy relationship. I pray that you begin to seek 
these healthy relationships in your life. And again, I know we went through a lot quickly and we're throwing out evil people, foolish people, wise people. I love you as your pastor, and I want you to walk the walk of wisdom. I want us to walk wisely. I want us to walk in discernment. Let's not be naive. Let's not be paranoid, but let's walk in wisdom with one another. Let's walk in wisdom in our marriage. Let's walk in wisdom with our kids. Let's take time and get to know what the word of God has to say in our relationship. Be cautious of pulling people close quickly, but use wisdom and discern because there's nothing worse when we sit down with people who have been hurt again and again and again in a relationship, and it's because they're so trusting, they pull people so quickly, and then they get used and abused or whatever from that relationship, and then from that, they get paranoid. And so as your pastor, as your shepherd, use wisdom in your relationships. Don't be naive. Don't be paranoid. But ask the Holy Spirit for discernment because it says that Jesus, one of the attributes of Jesus is that we can walk in the fear of God. When we have a healthy relationship with him vertically, then horizontally, the cross, we can have healthy relationships with one another. This can be the path we walk with each other. Scripture says he came to seek and save the lost. The good news is, is that if you recognize foolishness in your life, you can move over to wisdom and you can walk in wisdom. You can begin to bridle the folly that wants to try to rob your relationship with one another, rob your relationship with God. Because again, if we stay in this place of foolishness, which foolishness is the flesh, wisdom is the spirit, evil is demonic, is demonic principalities, strongholds, powers, that foolishness, I think, is where we can find ourselves a lot because we're motivated by the flesh. We're enticed by the flesh. But knowing you're here this morning, you're here because you want to walk in wisdom. You're here because you want the, the presence of God to motivate you, to guide you, and to lead you. And I love this song because we've seen God move before. Let's believe for him to move again. I pray that even as a church, we walk in wisdom as we move forward, as this is a new season as a church, a new season as a school that we collectively walk in wisdom and we fulfill what God has called us to do. If you stand, I want to pray for you. Then I want us to take a moment and worship. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, where do I need your wisdom in my life? Where do I need wisdom in my relationships? How can I be spirit-filled in my approach toward evil people, toward foolish people? How can I confront, take the mirror of your word and look at myself and say, where is their foolishness? Where is their evil in my life? Jesus, I pray right now that your spirit come, that the spirit of wisdom fall upon this place. God, that we want our faith to be stirred. We don't want to be double-minded with one another, but we want to walk in the spirit's wisdom in every situation. I pray for relationships to be healed, that Jesus came to rescue foolish and evil people, that he paid the price with the blood of Jesus so that we can walk in wisdom, so that someone who's evil can come over to wisdom, someone who's foolish can come over to wisdom. So Holy Spirit, I pray you wake us up. Wake us up to where there's foolishness in our life. And I ask that the fear of God come into our hearts, that the spirit of wisdom, of counsel, that you're a counselor. What does a counselor do? It helps in relationship problems. So God, we ask that you mend and heal family relationships. You mend and heal marriages. You mend and heal children, kids that are far off, that you bring them home, that you come to seek and save that which was lost. We believe you can do it again, that you can do it now. Stir our faith right now in Jesus' name.
I pray this week, I pray this week that you begin to immerse yourself in the promises of God and your identity, that you allow the blood of Jesus to wash over you, where you've seen blockades, where you've seen mountains and relationships, whatever those relationships look like, that the Spirit of God is going to turn it around because you're going to walk in wisdom and that you're going to walk wisely in Jesus' name. I'm excited for you. I'm excited for what God's going to do. I'm excited for the turnaround that's going to happen. That it might be when you least expect it, but your breakthrough, your turnaround is coming, and God's going to work the situation in your favor. Do you believe that and receive that this morning? In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome. Well, you can be seated for just a moment, and we're going to receive our, our tithe and offerings, and we'll share a few announcements uh, Steve and Lex will actually uh, will, they'll come and they'll actually take the bags traditionally like we used to do it. Um, so you won't be handing it at the door, so you can go and prepare that now. Uh, but we're excited. We're going into a new study in Lady Life. Entrell has done an excellent job leading. We honor and appreciate you in that. They, yeah, 12 years? 11 years. Awesome. And then Mana just turned 84 years young, so we celebrate that. Yeah, it's today. And then is Gary Combs in here? Yes, that's right. He's on the TV. His wife is downstairs. 40 years yesterday. That's amazing. Right. If you need a mentor in marriage, Gary and Judy have decided to sign up, and they would be happy to mentor if you need some wisdom. I'm volunteering. But yeah, Thank Trell you. Trell has done such a great job. And you know what? A little secret. She posts um, encouraging stuff every day for us on Facebook. So many of you see that and are encouraged by that. So thank you so much, Trell, for just encouraging our house, our church, with just the word of God every yes. single day. But yeah, Miss Megan, uh, I said almost Megan Rollins. <laughs> And that's right here tomorrow at 7 o'clock, every Monday at 7. So be here ready to go. I believe it's going to be a great time. Ladies, you're going to be empowered with the Word of God. We'll have everybody ready. But we're, we're looking forward to that. And as the ushers come, we'll pray over our giving. Um, if, you can't, if you're not giving in person, you can give through the GPC app. You can also give online as well. But we thank everyone for giving. We've recently rebooted our building project. We took a time out during COVID to see where things would fall. But things have been rebooted. Our contractors are heading back out here next week. The porta potty is showing up on site this week, so that means guys will be on site, okay? That's the sign. It's real. Uh, so please be praying over the project, praying over our contractor, Jim, 
But we thank all of you for giving into this project as our heart is to do it debt-free. Everything you see has been paid for in cash. That is up in the air. So we're going to continue to believe God that this is going to open up new avenues as a church, as a school. Um, Just this past three days that we've been open as a school, we enrolled three new kids, a, um, hopefully I get this right, a fifth grader, a second grader, and a third grader. So we're seeing so many kids jump from all the craziness of school not opening and online. We're open. We're social distancing. All of our staff is trying to stay clean and safe so that we can remain open. The patents in the back, we're so thankful for you guys. You have two of your kids here. Hoffakers, if you, if you have kids here in the schools, raise your hands quickly. Please be praying for these families. Nikki is serving and sanitizing, keeping everything clean. We thank you. Well, it's funny because Jody said, she's like, if you ever find yourself standing out, just go put your mask on. Yeah, there you go. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for keeping our church sanitary. Yes. Yes, well, we'll pray and we'll give. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to give this morning that we're giving into good, healthy, debt-free ministry. God, it's an honor to give of our tithes and of our offering, to give back because you've given us so much. We thank you for wisdom in our money and in our finances that we want to give and to serve the way the, the word of God teaches us. Bless every giver, every tither. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen was your giving. Um, any more announcements that we have? We have some uh, some cool back-to-school block party that we're planning for our GPC kids, so please be on the lookout for that, as well as our media team. Um, they're revamping. We have professionals coming in Tuesday. They're hook, hooking up new soundboards, stage equipment, so your giving is helping empower that as well. Um, so our equipment, Troy, I think, is what, 9 years old, 10 years old? It's archaic in sound equipment world. Well, it's funny. Right. Your headset, this headset, like, is anything else going to break? Anything else break up? Mics? Yeah. So, we are so excited. Seth Late in the midnight hour, God's turning this thing around, okay? So, there's a turnaround. No, Seth's doing such a great job. He made our team forge. Yes. You're really forging through, like the jump wall. It feels good job. It takes a lot of, yep. a lot of HDMI and wireless. So. Yeah, so. Be praying over our technology as we're making advancements and changes there. Um, But we're so thankful. We love you. We're excited for what God's going to continue to do. It's a good season. You're in a good place. Uh, Bree, if you would pray blessing, and we'll be dismissed. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time.